Hello, welcome to Film School. I'm Jacob. And I'm Ben. And, and we just, we love, just movies. love movies. <laughs> yeah, that'll be synchronized. I guarantee it. <laughs> I sure hope so. Okay, well, this is our this is our first time doing a podcast, and I finally got all of my audio equipment set up after about an hour. <laughs> it took a while. Um, it, it was an experience. It was quite a journey, and it ended up being only one setting we needed to change in yep. order to get it to work. <laughs> it's not 48. It's 44. Maybe it was the other way around. I don't know. It was the other way around. That's yep. That was our problem. <laughs> finally got it handled. So... We're two film students, right? Mm. We're both we're both uh, in in college for film, and we were actually we were roommates our freshman year, and mm. we have a lot of great conversations. At least what we would consider great, I think, great <laughs> conversations about movies all the time. And that kind of evolved into this, right? Like we were like, let's record our conversations and turn it into content. Yep. And we hope you all enjoy. <laughs> yes. What are film students if they're not making content? Indeed. That's. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. And I think it would be pretty fun to um, start off with talking about movie news, kind of segmenting the show into some different things. So Mm -hmm. we each bring some sort of piece of movie news that we want to talk about to talk about at the top of the show, then get into some sort of uh, main topic and then ending it out with some recommendations based on it doesn't end recommendations for the week don't have to be movies. They can be a thing that we did or a content that a a content that we consumed (laughs) and or a movie that we watched or anything like that. A content we Um, did consume. (laughs) Exactly. And because also uh, a little peek behind the curtain, I like playing video games and I like talking about video games. And so I figured I might as well use that that segment to talk about whatever video game I'm playing. The first piece of film school lore. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah. Ben, did you have anything from this last week that you thought was crazy interesting or or awesome in, in the movie news world that you thought about? I did. Week? I did, actually. After hearing about the Space Jam reboot, I have never seen the original Space Jam. Okay. But, but um, I saw that it was getting a new... I think it's a sequel. And one of the funniest things to me is that as soon as I heard that they were going to tone down Lola Bunny and not make her as much of a sexy hunk as before, how she doesn't have the curves anymore. (laughs) She just looks like a regular girl. So many people were so salty about it. It was so funny. It was a whole thing. (laughs) I remember. So I have seen the original Space Jam, although I didn't see it as a kid. I saw it as a teenager. Yeah. Um, And I remember think I had I had heard people talking about Lola Bunny as like, you know, kind of jokingly is like oh yeah it's like it's you know you don't expect to have a childhood crush on a rabbit when right you're <laughs> seven years old watching space jam but here you are this movie's so, responsible for the furries I, exactly exactly <laughs> things like that so um i when i watched it i wasn't too put off by it but i do remember thinking it was strange yeah. like um just like watching this kid's movie and randomly there's this character who wasn't even in the original looney tunes who is kind of stylized like that uh-huh um it's not over the top, but it is unnecessary. That's my... Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's really funny. It was really funny to see the reactions. I just was scrolling through Twitter and I saw... Like, the first thing I saw was the discussing film, you know, post of, like, new Entertainment Weekly, you know, stills from the movie. And I was like, right. oh, okay, that looks interesting, whatever. And then, like, the post immediately under it was people complaining about, <laughs> you know, like, the whole thread of, of like, you know... As long as the character design looks good, and in my opinion, it looks fine, uh, I don't really care. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, there was an extra thing. I mean, <laughs> I was kind of like when I 
I didn't see Space Jam and I, you know, I haven't seen it at all. So when I, you know, saw pictures of her, I'm like, wow, that is a really strangely attractive buddy. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I feel like that was like a thing in early, early 2000s cartoons. For sure. So I was just like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And everyone was just like, yeah, this was my childhood, <laughs> quote unquote, sexual awakening or whatever. Yeah. So I just yeah. thought it was kind of funny that it was like that to begin with. And as soon as I heard that the redesign happened, I was like, oh, people are going to be mad at this. And then I saw all the comments on Twitter and whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, I knew it. Um, but one thing that I was looking at YouTube and Saber Spark had a video where he was going to talk about Lola, Lola Bunny and the main mm-hmm. thumb, thumbnail has this massive text that says go to horny jail. <laughs> and thought, yeah. And I thought it was perfect. And then in the comments below his announcement, he's going to make the video. Someone was like, can we talk about how awful that shading is and how originally in the Space Jam movies. The way the characters are shaded is that like they're just like regularly animated with like flat colors, and then there's yeah. kind of, and then there's kind of like the shadow airbrush that they do, and I really like the way it looks because it kind of makes uh-huh. it makes it blend with the reality better. Like having your know, reality with its softer shadows, and then having like these cell shaded cartoon characters where like the shadows are really sharp. I don't yeah. really like that, and everyone was complaining about how awful the opposite looked, and I'm like, what are you talking about? The shading looks better that way. What <laughs> I have, I have stills pulled up, and I see what you're talking about with like the airbrush look. Yeah, I like. What's, what's funny to me is I didn't notice it really until you just pointed it out. Uh-huh. And so th- from that perspective, it can't be that bad because I didn't notice. Right, you know what I yeah. mean? Like I was, I was like, I think 18 when I saw the movie for the, for the first time, oh, yeah. you know, like I, and I was interested in animation and film. And so, but now that I'm looking at it, I have to side a little bit with the side that says it's not that great. Looking yeah. at a couple of these stills, it looks like something I would have drawn in on my iPad. Oh, yeah. In like junior high. <laughs> not like not the actual drawing quality, but the shading quality is a yeah. bit weird. That's okay. interesting. Yeah, I, I kind of like it better because it makes it kind of blended with reality. But I'm sure that's probably a subjective thing. Uh, one thing I think that, it is. One thing that is interesting with the original Space Jam is that it's part of this strange pack of early 2000s movies where basketball players tried to do other things besides basketball and a bunch of them like pursued it really hard. And it was so yeah. odd. Like Shaq was in Shazam and then who's in space. He was, was in it? steel. Wasn't he steel? I with I, like, I don't know. Cause I don't know. I think it's, let me, okay. I'm going to look up Shaq's IMDb okay. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Shaq. <laughs> yeah. Shaq. And then Shaq was in Kazam, which was very, very strange and bad. And, um, then is it Michael Jordan in space jam? Is that the one he did? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Also speaking of basketball players and doing strange things, I think it's Michael Jordan again, but you know, that whole, I took that personally meme. Uh huh. Well, apparently Michael Jordan did this like documentary or whatever, where he's talking yes. about his, the last dance. Yeah, his exploits and whatnot. And like he takes mm-hmm. everything personally because I looked up the meme on YouTube to see like what the original yeah. cl- clip was. And it's from this bit in this documentary where he's like, so this guy went out on the court and did better than me. And I'm like, fine. I guess you could be that way. I put him on my list. <laughs> and he's putting yes. so many people on his list to screw over or ruin their lives because they showed him up. And, yes. and then in the comments, someone was like, Michael Jordan gets his groceries. And the person's like, just the change then? He's like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Grocer starts sweating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Michael yeah, Jordan it, I've, to- <laughs> I've seen, I've seen a, a section of that. And one of the things, this is so off topic, but it's interesting. Um, <laughs> one of the things is like someone does better than him on the court. And then he imagines this whole situation where the guy disrespects him, I think in the locker room afterwards yeah and then uses that imagined situation that is didn't even happen uh, to fuel him just totally showing him up the next game oh my god 
which is like which is crazy but also you know it's 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 one of those things where it's insane but also michael jordan is michael jordan and yeah. the amount of success he's had kind of speaks for itself so <laughs> i guess in that sense it works so <laughs> exactly so funnily enough when you said kazam i definitely thought you said shazam and i was like there wasn't a 90s shazam movie and that's why <laughs> i was so concerned and looked up Shaq's yeah. imdb when i was when but, i was younger i couldn't tell the difference either i was like what's that one with the the, the basketball player and all the looney tunes people is it shazam and i looked it up and i was like oh it's kazam yeah <laughs> oh wait, no yeah, i'm yeah. sorry no no the, the shack the, now, the shack genie yeah, exactly, movie is the shack one is kazam, the, kazam. The, yeah it's it's complicated this this universe that we've created here with shack and michael jordan <laughs> yeah. and then of course it's very interconnected and complex and then of course the 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 kcu the kazam C, the cinematic universe <laughs> perfect <laughs> but yeah uh, also masterpiece and then and then the space jam theme song is come on and slam and welcome to the yes. jam so there's too, too many am things it rhymes no, too much therefore no it must be connected right like <laughs> it has to be oh man the mcu and the dbs the db the dbu <laughs> the wbdbu dbc kcu wb on only only on wdb kids God, oh dude wb kids was my childhood yeah it was. that's like like the batman show that was on there oh and, yeah um the the suit like the super the new adventures of superman oh don't that, forget that spectacular stuff. spectacular oh, spider-man a hundred percent i was yeah i was so into like uh, for those who maybe don't know and i'm sure everyone who ever has ever met me knows i'm a huge spider-man guy um i was into spectacular spider-man i literally watched reruns and had the dvds of the old 90s show it's it's a good time mm-hmm. uh, good stuff so did you find those stills yeah. So, um, okay. Back to, back to, back to the news. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, looking words. at this comparison too, between the, the old Lola money and the new one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's it, the, the new Lola bunny actually looks like a basketball player. Yeah. Which I think, which I appreciate. Um, mm-hmm. the, the old one is now just looking at them side by side. The old one is very like, it feels like very like male gaze fantasy ish versus yeah. the, 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 the new one is just kind of, this is what a bunny girl who plays basketball and is likely pretty good at basketball looks like. Right. So, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not against it. I do think that the Lola bunny face in, in the, the old one looks better yeah or i guess maybe just like more attractive than than the uh the old one or the new one so i don't know here's a good here's a good describer for the difference between the old and new one the new lola bunny looks like an actual female basketball player and the old one looks like one of those things on DeviantArt where you have this really attractive young girl who's good at who's good at photography and is like i'm a basketball player but like she has these really short basketball shorts or whatever yeah so like actual basketball player really attractive girl with good photography skills pretending to be a basketball player to sell softcore porn online <laughs> best, <laughs> you know? best description honestly Thanks. yeah uh 100 <laughs> i even like the the fact that um the new design has compression shorts that are sticking out from under the basketball shorts that's oh, an yeah? actual sort of basketball player type touch um interesting yeah so fun stuff that is that is quite 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 the news right there that reminds um, me that reminds me of this one famous you probably would know about this but there's this one famous uh spider-man comic cover where like spider-man is swinging you know away from mary jane's apartment outside uh-huh. and inside her apartment she's sitting there in this really weird oh, this, yeah. this weirdly contorted <laughs> sexual pose where her her boobs are like way out and she has like yep. she has like some hot chocolate or something and she's like oh peter come back or whatever and everyone's like yep. why is she sitting like that after he left 
hundred percent. Let me see if I can find this cover. I yeah. know exactly what you're talking it's, about. It's a famous it one. It is so awkward. It is so weird. The, the let me see. The if I remember correctly, the guy who made that cover is known for um making that kind of stuff where mm -hmm. it's like just it's it's he calls it like studies of the female body like that yeah. kind of art but yeah, that's sure. not really what it is it's right. just it's you know it's pinup covers that's what it is exactly um, yeah they're superhero pinup covers that reminds so, me oh sorry yeah, go ahead it's it's a thing it's a thing and it is it is just imagining someone unironically sitting like that yeah is painful <laughs> <It's> silly <laughs> That reminds me, uh, there's this one other famous interview that was actually um, a really popular YouTuber kind of circulated it, but it was called, uh, it was this one like TV special thing where this guy named Rob Liefeld and this other dude, I don't remember his name, but they're both these kind of comic book artists with these kind of, albeit strange and or bad reputations with Stan Lee doing this like TV special where it's like, we're going, uh -huh. to, we're going to design original character for you and Stan Lee and one of the, the character they, they, <laughs> they came up with was called Overkill. Uh -huh. And he was this massive muscle dude who was like a cyborg and had these enormous, like ridiculously huge shoulder pads. And the whole time, nice. Stan Lee was like, come on, guys, what, what is he outside the costume when he takes off his his guns and his belts and whatever <laughs> else? What does he do? What makes him tick? And Rob is like, what do you mean? He's overkill. He doesn't have us. He doesn't have a, a, a you know secret identity. And the other guy's like, yeah, so cool. And the whole time they were just making sure he looked cool and was badass and like couldn't be mm -hmm. beaten. And Stan Lee was trying to desperately get the audience to connect emotionally with this character. Sure. And they just weren't. And I'm like, this clip, every time. I write a story or come up with an idea for anything or try to make anything I go back and think who am I being right now the guys who are like whoa this is so mm. cool let's do this let's do that or Stan Lee where he's sitting there and going come on guys make us care about this guy why is he not just a cable or cyborg clone so I sure. always I always want to make sure I be Stan Lee and be like okay so it's cool to me because I made it up but like why would other people care about this? Make, make us, you know, connect with this guy. That's one of my biggest issues that I'm going to do a video essay on eventually with like the Star sure. Wars, the Star Wars EU, the extended universe, mm -hmm. is that all the other, all the fans when Disney took over was like, just copy the EU. It's great. And when I look at the EU, I swear whoever wrote those things couldn't tell the difference between Star Wars and HP Lovecraft where like all the mm. characters, all, all the characters turned into like one punch man or Dragon Ball Z reskins. And I'm like, that's not really what Star Wars is. Star Wars is about big galaxy, little people. So like, I don't want to hear a story about how when Darth Vader goes to some tiny planet and one punch, one punch man's an elder God into the sky, which is an actual real comic. I'm, <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> but yeah, like yeah. I, I like those stories where like, you know, I want to see Darth Vader chase down his son and talk to him in a big cavern as opposed to him being Goku, you know? So sure. anytime. Yeah. I don't know. So, and a lot of nineties media fell into that trap where it's like, let's make it epic. Let's make it extreme. Yeah. Let's make it big. And I'm like, okay, make me care about these people. And I, I, Every time I get caught in all my world building and whatnot, I just make sure to remind myself, be Stan Lee. Make us care about sure. this guy. What makes him tick? Why do we love him? You know, and that's that's the core yeah. of a lot of the great superheroes like Spider-Man, you know, Superman. Mm -hmm. They have things about them we can care about, relate to and really enjoy. And the less you think about that and the more you think about making them look cool or be a badass, it, it, it turns you away. So that's something I yeah. always keep in mind when I create stuff. 
for sure. That's really interesting. That 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 Star Wars commentary is definitely a hot take. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I will let you explain that take a bit more in your video when you eventually make it. But dang, yeah, yeah, that is. I think that's definitely true. And going back to Rob Liefeld pulling up his art while you were talking about uh -huh. this, he's the one who made that infamous Captain America. Oh, is that him? Where his, <laughs> yep, where his chest is like yes, defying all chest. perspective. <laughs> apparently, oh. apparently, another thing he's known for is that he will not draw feet. Like it's suspicious. Like anytime, interesting. <laughs> anytime you see a comic book drawn by him, he refuses to draw feet, and no one knows he why. He has an anti-foot fetish. <laughs> I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's gross. That's one of those things that on DeviantArt, like you'll go on there. DeviantArt is half really weird, poorly drawn fetish stuff from like thirteen-year-olds, and half really good stuff mm -hmm. you can also find on ArtStation. Yeah, and there's a ton of that feet stuff, and I'm like, I legitimately don't understand how anyone can find a human foot sexy. It's so so confusing <laughs> to me. <laughs> like it's a foot. Have you, have you seen? Um, Pulp Fiction. I'm trying to remember. No, but I know about Quentin oh. Tarantino's thing. <laughs> well, there's a really funny uh, one of the opening sequences, not the opening sequence, but like the second sequence of the movie. Uh -huh. um, there's a conversation between two of the main characters and they're arguing about whether um, a foot massage would be considered cheating uh, or like or asking for or, or sexy. <laughs> oh, and it's it's a very funny scene because it's Samuel L. Jackson and um, and oh, no, John, John Travolta. Travolta. Um, it's just like they're 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 these hitmen that are about to ready to, to just to kill some guys uh -huh. and on their way down the hallway they're just talking about they're just debating as to whether <laughs> a foot massage is, is considered sexy and it's oh just my really goodness funny. very anyway, strange it's it's a good time but yeah I haven't, right. I haven't seen that one yet it's one of those like quintessential film kid movies that i haven't seen yet don't feel bad i only saw it like three weeks ago so yeah i remember <laughs> so that it's, it's no problem it's <laughs> it's you know that's the thing too about like okay now we're going even more off topic but like Ooh. film student quote unquote movies like to in order to like you know you're not a real like filmmaker until you see this movie right i i understand the sentiment in some ways because there are movies that are great that are great to learn from right but i think sometimes it can be unhealthy uh -huh. as far as like delegitimizing someone's passion or interest in film because they haven't seen something yeah i don't think i've encountered very very many people that have that are like hey yeah. you're not a real film person until you watch this i don't i don't in have i encountered anyone like that in real life i don't think so mm. but it is you know it, it is uh i think a pressure that maybe film kids even put on themselves sometimes right it's the, the since the stereotype exists it already kind of it fills the vacuum for it you know yeah yeah i don't think i've ever run into anyone that i'm like Wow, you are a genuinely unpleasant film nerd, and I do not like to be around you. <laughs> I'm sure they exist, but you're you're definitely right that they're hard to come by. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but okay. Moving on to my my piece of news, oh. I wanted to <laughs> to bring today, um, the Batman. Today we're recording this on uh, the 13th of uh, March, mm -hmm. and the Batman is shooting its last day today mm, um, nice. it is coming out in literally about a year it comes out march 4th 2022 um and i am excited about that because first of all the first trailer was epic and the movie wasn't even done filming when they released it and um i also love uh love the idea of robert pattinson as batman <laughs> Um, and I love Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves is a super cool director and a super cool guy. And I'm excited to see his take 
on the universe and the movie's been delayed like three times <laughs> yeah <laughs> due to covid so yeah, speaking i'm excited of which, speaking of which um there were a lot of I, I would always see a lot of articles on from hollywood reporter and whatnot where it's like here's how so-and-so production you know still managed to shoot during the pandemic mm-hmm. did you hear anything about like there because there were different ways to do it like you know uh, uh, tom cruise had his project where he infamously yelled at those crew members yeah you know, where you just follow these guidelines and so and so each production has kind of taken a different approach to how to continue filming during the whole pandemic issue do you did you yeah. kinda, did you hear anything about how the batman kind of went about it well if i remember correctly the first time it got it got like production got delayed was when coronavirus started right like yeah. literally everything stopped filming right and then they start they came back and i think if i remember correctly they came back and it was just masks and social distancing for the crew and then the actors wear masks when they're not shooting but otherwise you know it's kind of the standard hollywood thing mm, gotcha and then batman and then batman himself robert pattinson got mm-hmm. covid 19 oh no and they had to delay again um and so they it looks like they stopped production on September 3rd because of that. And then they came back on September 17th. So they mm. stopped filming for like two weeks. Um, it's a quick turnaround. That's good. Yeah. And then I think it, it, this article that I'm seeing is from Variety and it doesn't really say how they like whether they changed any sort of protocols when they came back i think they probably just went the standard hollywood route where it's you know crew wears masks and social distances and then the actors you know are free to do what they want unless you know until they stop filming and then they they wear masks and social distance and stuff right um but yeah they they had only shot like 25 percent of the movie i think before that first coronavirus delay my goodness um yeah. And so it's interesting that we've to me, this is a movie that I've been hearing about for forever, because way back when the Jack Snyder DC EU was still happening, this was going to be within that. And it was going to be directed by Ben Affleck and starring Ben Affleck. Oh, really? And that was in development hell for like two years. Wow. And then it switched over to Matt Reeves and they cast Robert Pattinson and they were like, actually, this is going to be a spinoff. It's, you know, its own thing. Something, yeah. And and then and then that was, you know, they they hyped it up again by basically like right before they started filming, they shot a fun teaser with Robert Pattinson in costume. Hmm. And then they shot only 25% of the movie, released a trailer, and then got delayed. Like, it's been... (laughs) This movie has been in my my sphere for so long, and I'm so excited, but... Well, um, you know, at least you had an excuse as opposed to (laughs) New Mutants when I saw... Yeah, exactly. When I I would check... I I remember specifically, I checked, like, I was still in high school, and I checked in 2017, I checked, you know, new movies, because that's what I would do when I was Mm -hmm. in high school. I'd look up new movie news and whatnot. I still do, but, you know. Um, And I saw saw, new movies 2017, new mutants, and then it didn't come out, and I looked up for 2018, new mutants. And I was like, okay, coming 2019. And then 2019 came New Mutants. And I think yep. finally it came out 2020. And even the guy who was trying to get it made the whole time was like, I am so sick of this <laughs> franchise. I'm done with this stupid movie. <laughs> And I'm just like, yeah. I feel so bad for the poor guy. Who I mean, can blame him? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I mean, making a TV show or a movie for that long is already kind of a big emotional commitment that you're like so, so sick of it by the end. Like I remember Andrew yeah. Stanton talking about Finding Nemo where he was just like, I love this project, but I am done and I never want to touch it again by the time mm-hmm. he was done with it. You know, can you imagine trying to work on a movie for like over five years because it keeps getting pushed yeah. and at the end something you really were excited about, you're just like, I hate this. I want to leave. Get me out of here. Just get it done. 
I can imagine that it's because awful. Oh. I've, I've experienced it on projects that didn't even take that long. Oh no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I did a, I did like a little documentary type thing, um, for film production one last year. I remember year, you doing this. By the time, yeah. By the time I finished it, I was, I was editing so much the last week that by the time I finished the edit, I was like, I think this is good, but honestly, I've watched it so many times. I can't even tell. I'm so yeah. tired of it. I'm ready to turn it in. I'm done. <laughs> like that is one of know, those things that, you know, back to Andrew Stanton and his Finding Nemo yeah. thing. Uh, I remember seeing it, he made a big like documentary on it that you can get with the special edition of the DVD, which my mm-hmm. parents, my parents had, they bought in like 2005 or something uh, for us yeah. kids. And I finally, when I was old enough to understand what was happening, I watched the documentary on it because little kid me was like, that's ah, too boring, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but I finally watched it and there was a bit near like the last third of the documentary where it's like, yeah. And this is something that every director will run into or every big creator where it's like this joke when I first wrote, it was funny, but after hearing it for the 9,000th time in dailies and whatever else, it's not funny anymore. And you kind yeah, of, you can't and, tell. Yeah. Yeah. And you <laughs> kind of get this and like everyone's so close to the project that like, even when you go to your trusted colleagues and ask, Hey, is this still good? Or are we just, have we just been around it so long that we just kind of accept, yeah, this is how the movie is. How do we yeah. know if it's good? And like, you still have focus groups, I guess, but those aren't always super accurate. So there's always like, if you work on something for, for too long, you know, you'll, you'll inevitably get this. Is it good? Is it, was this ever mm-hmm. good? You know, kind of anxiety. And the ultimate antidote he said was to just finish it and then just show it to people and really see what their core reaction is. And luckily yeah. finding Nemo was a masterpiece. And I think what Andrew Stanton said in response was to just trust the process. Like if you're working mm-hmm. on it and you continue to, um, you know, just dedicate yourself to making sure, okay, we're going to bring our best, our a game. The other thing he said, and this is something I always try to bring to any project. Like I know you have to be professional about it, whatever else, but I think like right before the movie was done, he kind of threw this little party to kind of get everyone, you know, their spirits yeah. up. So it's like, yeah, okay, party. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. It wasn't necessarily a rap party. It was something right before the movie was done. Like they're still working cool. on it to just kind of keep spirits up and to be like, hey, guys, come on, work on an animated movie. This is fun. So it was just a yeah. little a little break, even though the execs were like, guys, you shouldn't be throwing a party while you're working on a movie. It's like, hey, come on. We were, you know, we're kind of in that. Is this even good kind of, you know, anxiety stage? Mm-hmm. It was something to lift our spirits and to remind ourselves, hey, this is supposed to be fun. Come on. We're making an animated movie. This is great. This is what we love to do. And it, he yeah. said it lifted everybody up. And that's a good. So anytime I ever reach that point when I'm working on something it's just like hey do something kind of fun in between doing your professional work just remind yourselves hey we, we did this for a reason we love this work right and yeah. it really gets you back into the spirit and helps you really do your best work and that's one of those like you know filmmaker pieces of pieces of advice i've latched mm-hmm. onto is like whenever you get into that state do something fun or uplifting that will just remind yourself hey this was great and i love working on this project even though we're a little unsure right now and it really pulls you pulls you forward and helps you get things done you know for sure. And I think that's pr- probably a sign of a great director or producer as well when it gets when they can recognize at that point where they realize that they and the crew need that sort of push. You uh-huh. know, they, you, you're like, OK, we've reached, you know, the final stretch. I know we can make it. I know that my team can do it. We just need to lift our spirits right here at the end to really like get it done right. I think that's have, really cool. Have faith, brothers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, that's uh, I think that'll do it for the news for this week. Um, Now, WandaVision, Mm -hmm. highly anticipated. Um, The marketing going into it was very vague as far as what it was really going to be. We are an unusual couple. I don't think that was ever in question. (laughs) Yes. So 
what were your thoughts on the series overall? Like we can, I think maybe we could, we could segment it between like, let's both give our thoughts on the series overall and then give our thoughts on the finale. Okay. You know, and, and kind so, of go from there. Full series. When I was, saw the first couple episodes, the first two episodes dropped at once. I went to go watch them. Cause like when I saw the trailers, I was also kind of confused. So I was like, eh, and I was like, well, I'll give them a watch. Why not? It's a Marvel show. I like Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. So I did. And I was like, wait, they're just in the 50s? That's what the whole show is about? And aside from that really unsettling stop it scene, like, that was it. It was just Wanda and Vision in the 50s. And then there was that tease at the end, and the credits were in color. And I was like, what is this? And the second episode (laughs) was more or less the same. And I was like, did the filmmakers just go to some, like, Tumblr blog and was like, Wanda Wanda and Vision, but in the 50s, AU, ooh-woo, and made it into a show? Like, what is this? And then it kept going, and there were little hints here and there, and I'm like, all right, I'll keep going. And then episode four hit, and I'm like, okay, here's the context. Here's what's happening. This is better. Mm-hmm. And apparently that's where everyone else didn't like it. When I re- when I went and read reviews and saw, saw people uh-huh. s- saying what the whole thing – what they thought about the whole thing. Most people didn't like when the real world context came in. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's when I got interested. So when Darcy Mm. and Jimmy Woo showed up, I was like, okay, now we know what that was. Okay. Now we know what that was. And episode four was when I really got into the show and was like, okay, this is cool. I like this. Yeah. And I was really intrigued and each episode getting, kept getting better and better. And the songwriting is incredible. The fact that they got the frozen, frozen and frozen two songwriters was a great choice. All of the theme songs are amazing. All the little hints they dropped were super fun. And I kept watching and watching and I was looking way more forward to it to the point where I was just like, you know, my whole week was just me waiting for WandaVision. (laughs) And then (laughs) I – and so here's my thoughts. So the whole show I thought was really well paced. Like it dropped hints at just the right rate. Like I thought that – like if you were were to tell me that a show is like, okay, it doesn't reveal what's happening in greater context at all – it for the first three episodes and then in four they drop all the context and they weave it they weave multiple like the rest of the context like they kind of inter inter intercut with them for the rest of the show yeah. i would say yeah. that's awful pacing how are you going to pull that off and the fact they did it naturally that felt good and i was like oh, okay mm-hmm. that's great i thought it was really well planned out so the all, sure. almost all of the rest of the show was really good i don't think i would have changed a single thing there were a few things that were like wait a minute what was all that about but, it's, but i had pretty much no complaints and the finale <laughs> i don't know if it was more like it didn't fulfill what i was expecting or if it just kind of like purposely tried to subvert your expectations instead of doing what made sense but yeah. i was i wasn't incredibly happy with it it wasn't by all means a bad finale i don't think it did a bad job objectively mm-hmm. but I wasn't super satisfied. So whole thing, like I would have considered a nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 show prior to the finale, but then the finale probably knocked it to maybe a seven and a half out of 10 for Interesting. me, but that's my okay. general thoughts. And do, do, cool. you, do you want me to give my thoughts on the finale or why don't you go? I'll, I'll go ahead and give my overall thoughts and okay. then I think we can dive into, Let's into do specifics. So similar to you, I went in not really knowing what to expect, but being excited because as a fan of the comics, knowing that they were going to do some sort of house of M or um, like Wanda envision having kids mm-hmm. trying to start a family type storyline. Um, and I, I, in the comics, those things are really interesting. Now um, as someone who might know the comics writing go like would know th- there are things in there that shouldn't 
trans like they, that won't transfer to the MCU very well. And uh-huh. there are character choices in in those comics that literally just don't match up with the way those characters are characterized in the MCU right now. Yeah. So there were things that like I was like, OK, OK, it's going to be somewhat similar, but not, not necessarily the same. I loved the first three episodes. I absolutely adored how they were committed to the premise mm-hmm. and just like how stylish the filmmakers got to be with it. Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty rare in an MCU property when filmmakers really get to say, we're going to do a 50 sitcom and make it a 50 sitcom, you know, like right. there's, there's other times in the MCU where things like that have been tried and done pretty well. Like, you know, the Russos, when they did captain America civil war, they were like, we're making a political spy thriller not civil war sorry winter soldier and they did and that movie is like is a political spy thriller and i think it's done really really well and it stays in that genre like pretty darn well Mm -hmm. then you get into like you know the the filmmakers you know peyton reads like ant-man's a heist movie and then you watch ant-man and you're like "Eh, it sort of is i guess (laughs) apparently ant-man went through a lot of drama behind the scenes but we're getting off track it did yeah yeah sorry yeah yeah off topic edgar wright wrote the original version and wanted to direct it he would have been great left over creative differences and stuff yeah it was a whole thing huh um he was still credited as a writer because i think like scenes from his original screenplay were included in the movie but overall i think Paul Rudd actually wrote most of the draft that they ended up using funnily enough. But anyway, um, yeah, so I was, I was really impressed with how they committed to the premise in those first three episodes. Um, and I just really liked seeing Wanda and vision have an actual relationship in the MCU Mm -hmm. because they're like a power couple of the comics, right? They're like Mm -hmm. a famous duo that didn't get a ton of screen time in the MCU. Obviously by the time we hit infinity war, their relationship is heavily implied off screen, Uh but we don't, we didn't really see it. Right. Um, so I really like being able to actually see that relationship. Then episode four hit and I liked episode four a lot. Now, I am I differ from you a little bit in the fact that I think after episode four, all of the in real life stuff was not nearly as like interesting as the yeah. stuff happening within the hex. I, I was always but, looking forward to the outside world stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I was the opposite. I was like, OK, let's get back to the hex because that's more interesting to me. I, 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 you know, I for some reason, I felt like Jimmy Woo, Darcy and um, uh, Monica's like chemistry together as three characters was felt forced to me like yeah. it felt like oh yeah we're the three quippy heroes who are here to do the stuff sure and and in shows like ncis and arrow and those things whenever that d- dynamic is like the main dynamic of the show i get so annoyed oh yeah because <laughs> i'm like no one is this like clever and quippy and i'm a rebellious cool main character all the time mm-hmm. and so I liked it better when it went back to the hex and it was more like, wow, we're processing Wanda's grief and her way of coping. Vision Uh is trying to figure out who he is as what he like who slash what he is, you know, I love seeing mystery. I loved seeing Sorry, Vis- I loved seeing Vision play Nancy Drew. That was amazing. <laughs> yes, yeah, that was yeah. That stuff was super cool. So that sort of stuff I thought was super great. Um, as this series progressed, I I basically because okay, obviously spoilers for those who haven't yeah. who haven't seen it. Um, as the series progressed, you know, then there's that that Pietro, you know, Quicksilver from X Men. Oh, we got to talk about uh, that reveal tease. though. <laughs> I know that that tease that then keeps me even more invested. Then it keeps going. And by the end of it, you know, there's that very like Iron Man three Mandarin esque like boner joke that then reveals that it's not, you know, not not X-Men Quicksilver. Um, And so similar to you, I didn't think that the finale was bad. I understand why it was the way it is. 
but it didn't make me any less sad that there wasn't any huge life-changing moments or MCU-changing moments in the finale. Yeah. That's not to say that there wasn't anything that's going to have a huge effect on the movie's upcoming. Like, I think the fact that Wanda is now really exploring her powers and what her actual magic can do, I think that's going to be really, you know, hugely effective on the Uh rest of the MCU. Um, I think that the potential for alternate universe stuff coming in, I think hopefully will be like, my hope is that Ralph Boner slash Quicksilver (laughs) um, as, as a character even existing in the show is a tease towards what's to come. Uh I hope that that's what it is, even if it is kind of a red herring. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, I overall thought it was really good. If I was to put a number on it, I would say like a 7.5 to eight out of 10. And like you said before, before the finale, I probably, if the finale was a bit, I guess, maybe more fan servicey than it actually was. <laughs> I would have given it like a nine out of ten. Gotcha. Um, but um, yeah, no, it was still, it was still really enjoyable, and it's. I want more of things like this, and uh, that's part of why I'm excited for Cap or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Aside, but, from, aside from a few things, we seem to kind of dovetail on our opinions pretty closely. One thing uh, on my thoughts on the finale. Sometimes media will do this where like they'll try to subvert your expectations, but sometimes your expectation is not based on fan service and more on just what genuinely makes sense for the story. Mm-hmm. I've changed my opinion on this, but originally when I was I first saw I thought The Last Jedi kind of did this. I don't believe that anymore now, but I've seen other movies and TV shows do this where it's like, mm-hmm. is this what you were expecting? Ha ha, are we going to do this? And I'm like, okay, no, that wasn't because the thing we were expecting wasn't a cliche. It literally just would have made sense. Yeah. So like when um Monica's trying to talk to Wanda and try to be like, I lost the person closest to me too. And then Agatha messed it up and interjected herself. I was hoping that the reason why, um, you know, Wanda ended up dropping the hex was not because she just chose to it because uh, Monica got the chance to talk to Wanda and like finish that conversation without Agatha Uh jumping in. That would have been nice because it would have like, because I feel like Monica and the quippy characters on the side that you weren't a huge fan of were kind of shafted at the end. Like, okay, maybe they're probably the most, the most most annoying bit for a lot of people, but like they, they were really underused. Like Darcy slams into Hayward, like the most lame villain ever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He he slams into his truck and then says, hi, welcome to prison or whatever. And then she just leaves. And then, and then she's, yeah. she's mentioned off screen and I'm like, she was in like half the show. You're just going to leave her like that. And then Monica gets mm. like one tease and her power to stop bullets is revealed and that's it. So the whole finale, it was a cool finale. The fight in the sky was, I mean, there were some clever bits like the rune thing. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. But aside from that, yeah. it's like, okay, big Marvel fight. Fine. And I loved Wanda. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sorry. I mean, vision and white visions conversation in the library. That was, that great. was so good. That was one of my favorite parts. <laughs> but of the I episode. was, yeah. yeah, that was cool. But I was expecting like, okay, Monica talks to Wanda, I guess, to finish their conversation about processing grief, because I thought that parallel was really well set up. Like, okay, mm-hmm. Monica lost her mother and Captain Marvel as her auntie slash friend and Monica mm-hmm. lost her husband. I was expecting them to talk it out and like make Monica really kind of tie into her uh, Wanda's struggle. And they yeah. really, and they really didn't. She saved her kids and then left to go meet Nick Fury. And I was like, okay, that was a subverted expectation. That wasn't really an expectation. Just kind of felt like it made sense. And you guys purposefully kind of just took a left turn because, you know, <laughs> sure. I think that that could have been really good and it would have been even better if they would have maybe dove into Monica's or maybe because they obviously mentioned Monica's past several times in the show right Uh Um, but mostly around that episodes four and five range I think if maybe like they set something up in like episode seven or eight that was like 
remember Monica, your past, what you've lost, and then kind of lead that into the finale where it's like, okay, now this is really connecting. Yeah. I think that could have worked really well. I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. I, I think it also could have worked well on a parallel thing where, you know, the, at the same time as um, Vision and Vision talking, then you have Monica and, 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 <laughs> and, and, you know, and Wanda talking uh-huh. um, and kind of having this like it's a it's rather than a big Marvel fight, which is fun to have. And I'm glad that they did something, you know, it's you got to have it in a Marvel thing. Yeah. So they did it. Um, but I think I, I at least was glad that Vision's conflict at the very least was resolved through this like very vision-esque way of like reasoning through you know what's well who are you who is the real vision right um and it was and it was solved very peacefully um to me that's a way truer way of embodying who vision is as a character in the mcu than just having vision two visions laser beaming each other yes yes that's Um, great i love that (laughs) two things i will say is that i think that this that the finale like everything i can point out that's wrong with it can be pinned down to two things it suffers from Iron Man 2 syndrome, i.e., oh, yeah, we have to have a story, but also we have to set up the next stage of this universe, you know? Mm. And the other thing that it can be pinned on is that the coronavirus hit the very tail end of this production. So there was originally going to be okay. t- going to be 10 episodes, I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I didn't a, even know that. Yeah. And a bunch of stuff that, you know, like all the problems where it's like, oh, that kind of got shafted. Where did white vision go? So and so this uh-huh. and that. They probably would have dealt with that stuff if they were given more time or did sure. or did string it out to 10 episodes. So I think this show could have been an almost perfect 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10 if they were given more time to spread out everything they had to smash into the finale alley you know into sure so i think yeah. that like, i think like the seventh episode i'm sorry the ninth like the, like what is the finale now uh-huh. should, have been, should have been the second to last episode and it should have been just pure agatha fun you know having fun you know throwing bolts at her and so and so and then finally defeating yeah. defeating agatha and making her be the nosy neighbor and that being like the end of that episode and the last episode are mostly just conversations you know where wanda's like, a, like an epilogue type yeah thing. where wanda still has cool. the hex up and monica sits down and talks to her and tries to help her process grief and then she takes down the hex herself and and Mm-hmm. Vision comes and thanks Monica and then, you know, consoles Wanda as they all dissolve and whatnot. I think that they definitely should have spread everything they had to smash into the finale out over two. That would have made it a lot better. Sure. But hey, what are you going to do? You can't complain at a pandemic. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The I, I wonder if the pandemic stuff affected the way that they shot the final action sequences as well. It That's did. really interesting. It did actually. It felt, some, some of the staging felt really strange. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to you a few things that I thought were really weird about the, the last action part. Can I say one the, thing real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. There is one thing that like I, I – this is another piece of movie news that I saved because it t- t- tees in more with our conversation right now. But uh, the, uh-huh. the, the director – like the, the showrunner of WandaVision, not the director. That's yeah. Matt Shackman or something. Uh, she, her mm-hmm. name's a woman. Her name is JAC, I think. She said that okay. when – when they were shooting the 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 bit where um, Wanda's being approached by all the angry townspeople, like, "Hey, let mm-hmm. us go! My daughter's in her room, and I haven't seen her in weeks." You know, uh, they were originally going to have that be a very claustrophobic, like them all like, all like getting near Wanda and like kind of tugging at her and be like, "Hey, yeah, hey, you you uh, stop that!" And they're like bullying her because I mean, she was torturing them mentally for a long yeah. time. Yeah. But because of the because of the coronavirus, you can tell that like when she chokes all of them with uh, the, the magic, they're all like exactly six feet apart. <laughs> yep, that <laughs> isn't that is a weird staging thing. 
thing that yeah. I noticed. That's and, good. And the that's, show, that and the makes sh- sense. And the showrunner was like, yeah, th- that's why we did that. <laughs> that <laughs> but, makes sense. But anyway, I'm sorry. You can go ahead. Yeah, there was, the, there was a couple moments with cinematography and staging and framing in that final battle that I thought were just really awkward. Yeah, like, um, like what? One of them was this like very Incredibles-esque shot where they're pushing in on the family all in their superhero poses. Yeah, I remember that And bit. they're about ready to fight. And, it, and I'm expecting this really cool Avengers-type thing to happen where they all spring into action at the same time. Right. Instead, it just goes into slow motion and only Vision flies away and everyone just keeps standing there. Like Vision <laughs> flies off to fight White Vision and then the camera keeps pushing in and the family's just still standing there but without Vision. Huh. Yes, <laughs> I, I remember that. Like, I remember that so shot. Strange. I remember that shot and I was like, oh, it's the Incredibles reference. Yay. And then and then like nothing happened. Interesting afterwards. I'm like, well, that was weird. <laughs> it was. And and then there was um, I was I was going to mention the fact that every all the townspeople seemed very like the staging just felt weird. But that totally explains it. Um, and then there was there was a few moments where it just felt like the. Okay, it was the the military people coming up and then and then and then Wanda's like you kids take care of the military, I'll take care of the witch. And then mm-hmm. the military is about to shoot guns at them and then Quicksilver kid uh you know gets rid of all the guns and then Magic kid makes all the 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 soldiers freeze. <laughs> Quicksilver the soldiers kid and Magic are just, kid. <laughs> are just are just the, after after that the soldiers are just standing there and the kids are just standing there at, for the rest of the scene. Huh. <laughs> like Very they just strange. like high five. <laughs> and there's like, yeah. And then, and then the rest of the action scene happens and it's just kind of, yep. The soldiers are frozen there. Like literally at the very end when the action kind of all comes back to there, the soldiers are just frozen <laughs> there that whole time. And it just felt very awkward. Like the way it was shot and the way it was done was just like, well, I guess these people don't really have anything to do. Let's kind of forget about them for a while, but huh. they're still technically there for continuity. It was weird. How odd. Ooh, can I tell you the saga of me noticing a really weirdly specific cinematography thing? Do it. Tell me. Okay, so so right before that weird dream sequence that I'm still kind of confused by where um, Wanda like puts her magic in Agatha's head and brings her back to her coven trying to drain mm-hmm. her of her powers, right? Yeah. Like when Wanda goes up to, to um, Agatha, she like walks in fast motion up to her. Mm-hmm. And that was in Age of Ultron, the bit yes. where the bit where uh, Captain America is talking to Strucker, and then Wanda pushes him into a wall, and then she like fast motion walks backwards into a hallway, and then yep. the door closes. And and when I first watched the movie, I was like, "What was that? That was a weird editing choice." But then mm-hmm. when it showed up in WandaVision, I'm like, "Oh, so that's one of her powers? She can walk yes. in fast motion? <laughs> okay." <laughs> and then and then like right afterwards, I watched uh, the Cosmonaut Variety Hours review of WandaVision, uh-huh. and then and then since I was like okay his opinion's pretty good i don't always agree with that guy sometimes his opinions are really like what you missed that completely but um i often i often disagree with him yeah in many things but, but go then, ahead <laughs> but then after i watched his wandavision review i watched his like complete mcu uh ranking and takedown video uh-huh. and he also commented on the fast motion walking of wanda in, in age of all time i'm like and he's like what was that? that let me try to do him what was that? That was a weird <laughs> editing choice. He always has that weird vocal fry. I don't know. Yes. yes. But, <laughs> but then I was like, ha, you misunderstand. That's one of her powers. <laughs> I figured that out from the WandaVision finale because I was yes. confused too. And then I saw her do it again. And I'm like, oh, they brought that back. How nice. <laughs> that was yep. my thought. I, I think it started off as just like, it's a creepy <gasps> aesthetic. Like that's right. like the way it started. And then in WandaVision, they brought it back for the sake of, I think, reference and consistency. But yeah. that's, that's really funny. 
I noticed that too. Ultron's such a mess I didn't anyway. Think it was so strange in Age of Ultron when I when I watched that movie, uh-huh. probably because I just accepted, oh, it's it's Scarlet Witch. She's creepy. That's what they're trying to do. But right. Yeah. <laughs> Age of Ultron is also such a mess. I'm glad you know more about the production because I was just confused. <laughs> it's it's a very the the behind the scenes of it was very interesting. It's and and the fact that like r- reportedly the fact that like that the behinds of scenes of the f- behind the scenes of that movie <laughs> was so messy and then the audience reception to Age of Ultron was so mixed that that's one of the reasons why like Joss Whedon was reportedly pretty pissed off when they were shooting Justice League right like that's just a whole <laughs> turned, other turned, thing turned, turned, him into a, turned him into a salty boy. <laughs> Yeah, really. Well, and then now, of course, more and more people who worked with him on like Buffy and stuff are talking about like he was toxic back then, too. And it's mm. a whole thing. It's too bad. Did, did, <laughs> Joss, did, Joss, did Joss Whedon never get hit with any Me Too hashtags? No, but right now it seems like everyone is just saying he's kind of a manipulative jerk and mm-hmm. not necessarily in the overtly sexual Me Too type of way, but just in the I'm a control freak and okay. I'm going to pressure you to do things on set for making the movie purposes I that you may not want to I do. Guess the only, um, I guess the only yeah. headline that has to do with Joss Whedon and women is that he cannot write them. <laughs> Apparently. And I would, you know, looking back on his stuff, I, I would have to agree in some ways. Um, he also has some like, I guess like things that he always comes back to in his writing is like, Oh, this isn't funny. I'm going to, I'm going to make this funny by doing this. And it's like less, it's, it it gets less funny each time. And you know, like man falling, like explosion happens and man accidentally falls on girl boobs oh no how hilarious like that's in multiple <laughs> things he's made really it's, yeah it's let, a thing it's in me, it's in age of ultron it's oh in yeah Justice i remember League. that when holt when um, bruce banner falls on a uh, black widow right yep yeah it is a thing and then it happens with flash in 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 flash time oh, uh, with wonder woman in, in oh, the no. joss whedon justice league it's yeah big oof big oof indeed so that's that's Joss Whedon for you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, to wrap up on WandaVision, a while ago when we thought about this podcast, we had some ideas for some fun little categories slash segments in our, within our main category to talk about because there are fun things that both of us notice about movies and care about in movies that are different from each other, mm-hmm. and it's fun to talk about those things. So first off, let's start with Ben's bright side. Ben, <laughs> often you do a great job of no matter how bad or good a movie was, you find something very specific that you really like about it. <laughs> yep. And what is that thing for you about WandaVision? Well, since this show wasn't bad, I will probably just pick out something, <laughs> pick out something that most people did not like that I will be willing to defend. How's that? And let's go with the that sounds great. Let's go with the Ralph joke. <laughs> so okay. When, so when that happened, I went onto Twitter and YouTube, and everyone was so salty about it. And I kind of, I kind of <laughs> get it because, like, I don't have any emotional connection to the X Men universe. I haven't seen most of them. Uh-huh. You know, I purposely avoided them for a lot of the time because there's so many of them, and they all have conflicting timelines and reboots and i'm like you know what x-men yeah. are interesting but i'll just leave him over there so when people saw apparently evan peters is a really good quicksilver he's a charming character everyone likes him quite a lot he's kind of mm-hmm. like the tom holland of the x-men verse you know that's a good that's actually a good descriptor yeah, yeah. and they were really happy that he was in there and he was going to be and you know it was it seemed kind of obvious this, with all the news of you know dr strange coming in with the multiverse that this show is going to introduce the multiverse so they thought that quicksilver somehow blipped in from the x-men verse into the mcu mm-hmm. and i get that the 
people were looking forward to that. And I do think that it was kind of a silly, kind of a dick move on Marvel's part to be like, let's have them think it's a multiverse thing. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it didn't really bother me all that much. It's kind of like how non-comic fans of uh, uh, Iron Man reacted when the Mandarin thing happened in Iron Man 3, where all the people who knew the comics were like, oh, screw this. And the people who just didn't know were just like, oh, okay, so he's just an actor. All right. That was kind of my reaction where I was like, okay, so he's not the Quicksilver. I had to look up who the guy was when he showed up in episode – what's the 80s one? Is it four? I no, think it was episode five. It's when five. Showed up at the yes. end of episode five. <clears throat> yeah. So when everyone was like, "Oh, it's Evan Peters," I'm like, "Who is that?" And you had to tell me. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I remember so, that too. So that's so, hilarious. So I don't. I was like, yeah, because it was like I was like, did you? It's crazy, right? And you were like, um, that yeah, they recast Pietro. That's neat. I was like, it's the it's the X Men Quicksilver. It's the like, other oh, one. Really? And you were like, oh, <laughs> how interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's um. But yeah, um, what was I going to say? Oh, so I won't necessarily defend it, but I will say that I think people being really disappointed and salty over the, the silly boner joke. I mean, I, know, I think that the joke itself is kind of stupid, but, <laughs> but you know, I don't think that it was like a direct insult on Feige or, you know, the showrunner's part. You know, so I will say I don't think it, it was a good decision or that was comedy gold or whatever. But I think yeah. that that was an example of people's fan theories running away from them a little too much. So, nice. you know, you have the right to be as salty as you want about any piece of media, as long as you aren't really toxic or sending anyone death threats or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think that people being like, oh, come on, that was a terrible move. I'm like, OK, it's kind of dumb, but that was you and your theories getting too. You got carried away. Come on, let's be real here. <laughs> so that's sure. One of my thoughts, sure. I guess. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, the next segment here is that Jacob will often find like a little thing that I usually won't pick up on in the production or the cinematography or whatever else that he's really good at spotting. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that is true. So did you see anything in the show that you saw the little bitty thing in the production that you think would be interesting to me and the rest of our listeners here? Yeah, I thought so. This is there's a moment in the finale where you Wanda is walking I think towards their house. This is just such a small thing, but I noticed it and I thought it was funny because in Uh, my opinion, it's very easily fixable. mm -hmm. Um, There's Wanda is walking up to their house and in the background, you see white vision like there's a window Uh and you see white vision in the window reflection landing behind her. Right. And so he's landing behind her. And before (laughs) his feet touch the ground, he's you can see like you don't necessarily see his feet in the ground, but you can see that he's still like, um, like falling, you know, like he's still going downward. Um, there's a sound effect of his feet hitting the ground, mm-hmm. like like a pitter, like, you know, like thing right. where his feet touch the ground. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to a reverse shot where you see now he's done um, falling and mm-hmm. his feet are like he's completely done flying. His right. feet are completely on the ground. And just the timing of that sound effect was just off enough to me <laughs> that both times I watched the finale, I was like very confused. I was like, huh? What? Just so just just a little bit. So right after <laughs> so right after Agatha like r- like flies away and she turns around and sees White Vision, she's like, oh, it's Vision. And she thinks it's him right then is when it happens. So it's when I, it's when <clears throat> there's a moment I need to pull up. <laughs> <laughs> Disney Plus, so I can find it. Um, it won't let us moment, record. There's, I just know there's a moment where you see White Vision's reflection in a window, and he hasn't touched the ground yet, but yeah, you hear his feet touch the ground, and it was just very. Um, huh. I don't know. It was kind of jarring. It was just funny to me. Interesting. It wasn't that like it didn't take me out of it too much. It was just funny. Like I was just I laughed a little bit. It was like interesting. Oh. Yeah. So that was a thing. Next hmm. next segment we have here is uh, would Ben be mad? 
if they remade this as animated. Basically, Ben has this whole thing that I love about how he's he's just like this needs to be animated because blank, and he has great reasons. Or like this this works better in live action because blank. Like these mediums really matter as far as making making things. So I figured it'd be fun to ask him whether he would be mad if if WandaVision was remade as an animated series as opposed to a live action series. I think it actually would work really well as an animated series, primarily because of their decision to go through uh, eras of uh, TV. That's like a big thing mm-hmm. that WandaVision is like, okay, we're going to like do this kind of half meta uh, you know, vision, uh, vision <laughs> uh, travel, you know, journey through time of television eras mm-hmm. and usually like I expected like you never whenever I see one of those uh like DC animated projects they always look like they're those really cheap Saturday morning looking things but apparently uh-huh. but apparently they're really good storytelling like like people rave about them so oh yeah if WandaVision was like a limited box series of like an episode like ep- each episode um as one of those where you know mm-hmm. it was an animated DC-esque looking project, but each yeah. but each era of TV mimicked a different type of cartoon. So like that'd be awesome. So like the fifties you know era of WandaVision, the animated project would be like in the style of the Jetsons, and then it, and, oh, then, and, then, yeah. and then it would transition to the sixties where it's literally just a bewitched trip. Actually, no, because bewitched is actually live action. Its intro is just animated. But you know <laughs> you know some sixties cartoon, and then in the seventies sure. it would kind of be this Hanna Barbera look, and then in the eighties yeah. it might it might be like like really early. CGI and they can have a bunch of comedy come out of that and then in the yeah. ni- and then in the 90s they could have you know um you know, some Nickelodeon looking thing with like you know the Rugrats or whatever so yeah. I so I think that a tour through animated TV put in the style of Marvel stuff would be more a lot more colorful and really fun and would yeah, and, would, cool. and would work just as well and like when they go to the outside world it could be this kind of Pixar looking uh, polished CG you mm-hmm. know like, like how we look at now where it's hyper realistic so when things get yeah. hyper realistic when they come out of the hex that's kind of the the, 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 tr- the transition between eras and mediums so to speak would be a lot more highlighted and accented in animation so I think that sure. this TV show since an- the animated movie animated TV eras are just as unique and distinctive as live action a- a TV eras I think it would work really well as a limited Marvel animated series. I think it would work great. Nice. I suspected that you were going to say something like that, but I yeah. was intrigued to see whether you would come up with something different because that was something I thought of when I thought of that question uh-huh. earlier as well. But that is awesome. Okay, so now we are, have the part of the show where uh, Jacob introduced to me a meme slash uh, like film kid cliche where it's like, oh, the way Nolan intended, where Nolan always wants his you know his uh, movies to be seen on IMAX screens or something like that. Um, so Jacob is always really good at figuring out whether or not this uh, show or piece of media will work, you know, on the big screen on a TV or. Whatever whether or not you can watch it on a third generation iPod nano or whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so our grand, our grand, uh, uh, can not conviction, uh, you know, yeah, conviction, sure. Um, of whether or not it can work, uh, on a TV screen or a big screen. What's your ver- verdict? That's it. What's your verdict ah. <laughs> on what type of medium or screen should people view this piece <laughs> of media? I, I think it's interesting that I think, this answer this answer could be pretty open ended because a lot of the things happen in this show that are very like character oriented and uh-huh. are not this grand bombastic thing that Marvel usually goes for. Obviously, the finale has like these big fights and stuff, but nothing really happens in the show besides the stylistic elements of the sitcoms and thing. You know, the sitcom elements mm-hmm. that really is like you gotta see it on the big screen. Right. Like, I watched a lot of this show on my laptop and I 
enjoyed it really well. Now there there are parts of this that are really well shot, and I think that that could be appreciated um, on a bigger screen. But mm. really, honestly, if you just watch this on your phone, I don't think you would uh, lose that much of the experience and if you watched it on a third generation ipod touch i think you could get away with it you just would probably want to put subtitles on yeah <laughs> that was <laughs> kind of uh yeah that was kind of my thought too like to me usually like the the smaller and more intimate the story you're telling the smaller and more intimate like the physical space you should watch it on so to me this is mm. a per- this, is, this is a perfect laptop show for sure for sure um yeah, so I think that does it for WandaVision. Any other thoughts to wrap it up just that you forgot to say earlier or anything like that about the show? I actually do have one thing, and I told you this over Discord, but I think the way that this show should dovetail into Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness should do a lot of heavy character work for Doctor Strange. Mm. Now, you've already heard this, but for our viewers Tell at home, again. for our viewers <laughs> at home and for you again, um, I will detail what I think. So as of right now, Doctor Strange, he was introduced in 2016 as Doctor Strange, And the most character development he got was thinking only about himself and his career to the greater universe at large. And his only personal relationships that were that strong he formed were with Wong, which is mostly kind of camaraderie professional, Mm -hmm. and his intimate relationship with his mentor, who he really was taught by and affected by. And she died at the end. So so outside of that movie – all of his personal relationships like are kind of surface level at best. And the rest of the time, his main driving goal is to just protect the universe. It's like his he's kind of married to the idea of the greater good right now. And yeah. I'm like, OK, that's interesting. <clears throat> but in you know, Infinity War and Endgame, he was a fun quipper. I mean, not throughout most of Endgame. He was gone throughout most of Endgame. But in yeah. Infinity War, he was a fun quipper and, you know, talked to Tony and whatnot. And kind of had a conflict with him, but he ultimately decides to give Thanos the time. So not because he cares about Tony, but because he saw the the outcome was like, we need to lose before we win. So as mm-hmm. of right now in the story, Dr. Strange, you know, went to Tony's you know, funeral out of respect, but he doesn't really have any personal relationships with anyone. He's essentially a glorified weapon and all of his mm-hmm. interactions with the adventures aren't really friendly. He's more just like, oh yeah, I got to deal with you. How's this? Like with Thor and Ragnarok where he's like, oh, is Loki going to hurt anyone? No. What do you need? My dad. Okay. Let's look through some books. Okay. Bye. You know, he just deals with them professionally i think that wanda should like when he she talks to dr strange in the sequel in his movie his his movie sequel Mm -hmm. she should form a mentor mentee relationship with him so it it could kind of fill that space that tony and peter had where you know yeah you know wanda you know opens up to dr strange about her grief and he also kind of talks about you know that isn't a person, but you can talk about how it, how much it hurt when he lost his hands and how we had to learn to cope with it yeah. through magic and his personal development. And they could really like connect with each other because it's, it's kind it'll get kind of old after a while to just see Dr. Strange be this kind of cold calculating. Okay. I saved the universe. Stupid people get out of my way. I want her, mm-hmm. him to like actually make friends with or actually start to care for Wanda and make him be more than just a, Oh, something big is happening. Dr. Strange, go throw mirrors. You know, and he does, I want him to yeah. care about someone and Wanda, when she enters this movie, I think could be a perfect like ward for him. So he he can mentor her and also start to care for her and her for him. I think that would be great and something really cool that I think we should see going forward because I want Definitely. to see I want to see Doctor Strange be a character and not a weapon. Definitely. And I think that also works to for Wanda as far as I want Wanda to have a, like I'm sure, you know, I'm sure the writers have reasons why they're putting Wanda in these upcoming MCU movies, but right. I think having her there for more than just a plot reason also a character development reason for her and for the other characters I think is really important. So I think that that's a great, that's a great idea. And I really hope that something at least similar to that, you know, yeah, uh, is, is done in, in these upcoming movies for sure. It would definitely be a cool element. Yeah, definitely. 
Okay, so now we move on to recommendations for the week. Remember, <laughs> this can be any sort of media you you consumed throughout the week, anything you did, anything fun, anything like that. What, Ben? What What are you? What What do you want to recommend this week? I saw these new YouTube videos by. Um, it's his name is Film Fan, I think on uh, okay. U- on YouTube, and he basically made these really complex animated motion comics of a bunch of extended universe Star Wars. Um, Oh, nice. Uh, co- comics. So it's called Star Wars Dark Empire, I think. So just look up Star, okay. War- Star Wars Dark Empire Animated. And he has two episodes out right now. And the, that big YouTuber Eckhart's Ladder has shouted him out and whatnot. Oh, yeah. There are these really nice. big, they're like 20 minute long, fully animated motion comics made from the Star Wars EU um, stuff. And they're really well made. Like the ships are all CG and perfectly uh-huh. and perfectly rendered. They look real. You know, so if you were ever interested in seeing a cinematic edition of... Um, you know, the Star Wars comics. Star the Wars e- Bush, yeah. Yeah. And the EU as, you know, fleshed out in cinematic form. They're really good. And I was very impressed by both of them. That's super cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, for me this week, I uh, have been rewatching the DCEU uh, up to um, Justice League mm. to prepare for the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League coming out uh, here next Boy. Wednesday, I believe. And um, I rewatched Batman versus Superman, the extended cut, the ultimate edition, as it is called, because <laughs> it's got to be cool. It's the ultimate edition. I Extreme. watched that. Uh, yes, exactly. I watched that uh, the other night for the first time since the ultimate edition released. Like I watched the movie in the theaters. Then I watched the ultimate edition when the Blu-ray came out. And then I hadn't watched it again until like two nights ago. It was way better than I remembered. <laughs> really? It, it was really popular to hate that movie. Now, the well, the funny thing is about Batman v Superman is like when it came out, it was really popular to either defend it with all of your heart because it was a masterpiece and you just don't get it. Yeah. Or or to absolutely hate it. And I I at the time after I watched it in the theater, I thought it was fine. I watched it the ultimate edition and I was like, that was better, but also it's fine. And then I watched it the other night and I was like, gotta say kind of enjoy it there's a lot of things about it that i understand why people don't like it um you know people like to complain about the interpretation of batman and how batman is a lot more like kind of a villain in that movie Mm -hmm. and that his like character shifts very quickly between being really unlikable to all of a sudden like yeah i'm helping you out superman this is (laughs) this is right um watching it again especially the extended cut i feel like the character arc makes a lot more sense and it is established in the movie a bit more than you th- than i think you can originally think when you watch on rewatch you see the moments that are like pointing to the fact that he's going to have a change later in the movie mm. um this you know zach snyder say what you want about his storytelling skill as far as writing and interpreting comic book characters goes but Gosh dang it, he is a great visual director. Yeah. I, there are so many great visual moments in that movie where the cinematography, the lighting, the staging, the choreography are just insane. There's obviously the famous warehouse fight scene where Batman literally just looks like he's from the Arkham video games and he's just oh, yeah? tearing through bad guys. And it's so fun. It's hmm. it's in these long, unbroken takes. Everything is just so brutal and so cool. Even the really... The, the parts that didn't work as well for me in the movie is just when the movie takes itself really seriously, even though the subject matter and what's happening is inter- inherently goofy because it's from a comic book. Right. However, even moments within that, within like the part, the, the very ending of the movie where where literally Lex Luthor is is like going ring, ding, 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 ding. 
Yeah. Ring, ding, 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 ding. While Batman is like walking away in, in, in Arkham Asylum. That is so goofy. Yeah. And it made me laugh a little bit. But like two shots before, I was legitimately terrified and amazed by how awesome Batman looked when he freaking just appeared inside the jail cell and almost punched Lex Luthor in the face with the brand. Like it's, wow. <laughs> it's, it's a very, it's a very interesting movie and I liked it a lot more than I thought. And I'm hmm. excited or I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. And I'm excited to see the Snyder cut coming up. So very cool. That's my, <laughs> yeah, that's my recommendation for the week. Why and did I you believe- say that day? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the thing is the Martha moment worked better for me this time. I legitimately was like, this is actually that I don't hate this. <laughs> this is <laughs> anyway. Huh. Yeah. It's a thing. I haven't seen BVS, but uh, I will give it a shot given the new information. Yeah, yeah. If and it makes a bit. The movie is better if you have seen Man of Steel recently. That mm. was the other thing too. I watched it like only like a, like five days after I had recently watched Re- Man of Steel as well. Uh-huh. So that helped to getting that Superman characterization and the events of that movie back in my head. You know, yeah. Um, and then going into BVS, but yeah, it, that's that, that's 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 how I feel. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. Well, good to know. Thanks. Yeah. So. Ben, it's I. It sounds like you you know what we should watch next week and talk about as our main subject, and I think it's a great idea. Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> yes, I do. Okay, so the thing I think we should assign each other. I mean, I've already seen it, but to go see and talk about next week is 2010's uh, quote unquote reboot of The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Now, this is a Nicolas movie Cage. with Nicholas Cage <laughs> starring one yeah, starring him. Um, so this movie was panned critically and and there are there are reasons there are problems with it but the main reason is that this movie's existence itself is confusing because <laughs> like the name the sorcerer's apprentice that's a clip from disney's fantasia where yeah. Dis- where mickey animates a bunch of brooms to clean his wizard master's keep and this movie apparently started out as a story spun off of that but then evolved to something completely different so the name and what people were expecting and the movie they got were so far apart from one another Mm -hmm. that critics didn't like it because of plot issues and everyone else was like why did that exist why is it called the sorcerer's apprentice why is nicholas cage in it what the hell (laughs) (laughs) but my family did not have any inkling of any of those expectations and we just watched it because it was a it looked like a cool wizard movie my sister was in harry potter and so was i we watched it and my family loves this movie. It's a cult classic for us. And it's nice. not re- it's not really watched or remembered by anyone all that well. And looking back on it now with filmmaking um, sensibilities and watching the special features, it's a really well-made movie. So I'm excited to see what you think of Nicolas Cage being a sorcerer in yes. this 2010 reboot of a clip from an animated movie from the 50s. <laughs> so... I have seen this movie once, but it was back in 2010 at the drive through movie theater when oh, it came out. Really? So I'm excited to see it again. I remember almost nothing except for the fact this is a random tidbit. It was the first time I had ever heard the word sexy in a movie. <laughs> oh, I remember. I know the moment you're talking about. My family has heard, seen this movie so many times I could almost quote the script verbatim. <laughs> That's awesome. So I know exactly the moment you're talking about. And I remember as a kid, I was like, "Ooh, he said it. <laughs> Yes, that was essentially my reaction. Same. So it's yeah. So I'm excited. This is going to be fun. So come back next week and for that. And I'm sure that'll be a great discussion. And until then, it's it's been great. I'm excited to I'm excited to talk again. It's been a pleasure. This has been Film School and we both love movies. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, you didn't yeah, sync with me. Oh, we both love... <laughs> okay, one, two, two three. three. We, both we both love, love movies. movies. Nice. Okay. See ya. See you next week. <laughs>